0: hello and welcome back to winter wisdom apothecary join us for journeys with plants and stories about their lessons and one of the infanteers taught me what wild sage looked like I think he also, you know, told me some, at the time it seemed like crazy things about herbal medicine and I completely dismissed him. I was like, okay, I don't think so. Like he was telling me about how rubbing certain herbs on your feet can help you out. And I completely dismissed him. I was like, okay, that's kind of psycho, whatever. But he taught me how to find wild sage and he rubbed it in his fingers and it smelled so wonderful. Um, And so I really began sitting with wild sage quite a bit. seems a little bit crazy that I have a podcast, to be honest, um, a little bit surreal. For one, like, I've only recently come into a place where I feel comfortable talking about my interest in alternative health and in herbalism in my own life for many years. It was something that I just did in the background without ever speaking about it or acknowledging it, so to know that now I have a podcast on it is a little bit insane to me but also something that I'm kind of proud of to be embracing as a part of my identity, um, to be in a place where I'm not ashamed of that. It seems funny now looking back that I ever was ashamed of it but I think that just goes to show kind of the colonial roots to be perfectly honest about the way that we're living right now. There were a few stories that i wanted to share things that i wanted to talk about um one i think it's going to be a podcast later on but stay tuned for it i'd like to talk about working with people from different cultures um and hearing about their ideas about medicine um and me as a military paramedic being very interested about hearing more or knowing more about their way of viewing health um but really just not being very privy to it and just kind of feeling a lack of knowledge around it. Um, I guess, you know what, I'll, I don't think gonna be a long story, so maybe I'll, I will share them now in addition to the story about how I got involved in plant medicine or where my interest first came. Um, So I have had three deployments as a military paramedic. One was to kuwait um from 2019 to 2020. another one was to kuwait and afghanistan um bringing people out of afghanistan especially those who worked as translators um and other workers for the canadian military when we were over there previously so when was that was that just last summer a year ago time really flies um But, um, yeah, working with with people from Afghanistan and giving them health care as they left the country. And then most recently, this spring, before starting physician assistant school, I had the chance to support Ukrainian people leaving the country um, from Poland. Uh, So I would start working with them as soon as they arrived in Poland in a kind of... Um, A housing facility, very temporary, while they looked for, you know, a slightly more permanent solution of where they're going to live for the next few years. Or some of them even went back into Ukraine because it was home for them. It was really scary to be in Poland, to not understand the language, to not know where to go next. Um, It just was very scary for them to be into the unknown. And sometimes that was even scarier than going back to a war-torn country, unfortunately. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about their views of medicine. Um, I didn't really get a lot of insight into the medical system in Ukraine, other than that they used a lot of antibiotics, but within Poland, a lot of my colleagues, Polish colleagues, so Polish nurses primarily, Um, They would have herbal remedies that were, you know, seemed to be just as legitimate as pharmaceutical compounds. And I thought that was super interesting um, that they can be side by side like that in the kind of pharmacy and drug dispensary. I just thought that was really interesting and really cool that, you know, even a European country could bridge those two gaps so easily. I didn't get to prescribe any, of course, because I wasn't working in that capacity. I was working under my, um, my scope of practice as a military paramedic, but I thought it was really interesting to see a different way of looking at health there. Another place was, um, when I was working with people leaving Afghanistan, I had the chance of listening to people who had ideas about their health that had to do with i don't even know what system it is i think that i am sure i've heard about it before but the one where you have like blood and phlegm and bile and all these different humors right i'm not sure what form of medicine that is but as soon as um This man came up to help me with a patient, and he explained that he was a doctor and that this person's problem was that they had too much phlegm. I was just... I was so curious to know more, but also at the same time we were swamped with patients and it wasn't the time for me to be able to kind of pick his brain more and to ask more questions. But I just thought it was so interesting that a medical doctor had a completely different view of medicine than me. And I thought that was really interesting just to experience very briefly, but firsthand a difference in ways of approaching medicine in different cultures. So that was just a brief snippet. That wasn't a whole episode. That was just kind of like a preview. Um, I guess we can lump it into the ways that working in the military and medical care has shaped me and my journey in herbalism. Um, I had one of um, my colleagues, another student, ask me this morning, "Um, so why an apothecary? Like, why are you opening an apothecary right now? And first I said, well, how much time do you have to listen? And I almost thought about saying, you know what, I have a whole podcast that I'm going to be sharing on these these, uh, topics. But I wasn't ready to share it uh, quite yet. I still... The podcast is still very new for me and I'm still quite self-conscious about it. I listen back to these episodes and I hear these mistakes I made and I think, why would I phrase it like that? I should have said something different and I'm still very self-conscious at this point in the process. Um, I'm just proud of myself for putting it out there, but I'm not quite ready to to fully share it with um, the people in my immediate circles yet. I'm sure I'll get there. I really I really do think that I'll get there, but going to need a few more episodes, I think a few more weeks to get there but she asked why the apothecary and like when did it start um and this is something i've been thinking about a little bit because i do want to do a few different episodes on my journey from when it started to here and now but i think if i trace it back i think it was sparked working in the field on field exercises um so i was in a field unit i was integrated with the mounted infantry, so um, getting to roll around in armored vehicles. Thankfully, I didn't have to um, go with my rucksack too far, too often. Um, Having a vehicle was, you know, very nice, but embedded with the infantry and being in the field for um, sometimes months at a time. Um, What year would this have been? This would have been 2018, I want to say, maybe 2017, but being in Um, the field in the prairies in Wainwright um, which is kind of east of Edmonton a few hours but we would be out in the field with very limited resources for weeks and months at a time Um, and you know when you're outdoors that much you start to get more of a feel for the rhythms of nature and just being in nature And somehow, I must have already recognized rose hips for one reason or another, but I saw so many rose hips growing in the field. Um, And one of the infanteers taught me what wild sage looked like. I think he also, you know, told me some, at the time, it seemed like crazy things about herbal medicine, and I completely dismissed him. I was like, okay, I don't think so. Like, he was telling me about how rubbing certain herbs on your feet can help you out. And I completely dismissed him. I was like, okay, that's kind of psycho, whatever. But he taught me how to find wild sage and he rubbed it in his fingers and it smelled so wonderful. Um, And so I really began sitting with wild sage quite a bit. Um, And at this time in my life, I was writing a lot of poetry as well. Um, Writing poetry is something that I've done since university, like since I was 19 it was very very bad when I was 19 but I did write on and off for a long time and at the same time that I was sitting with the plants with the rose hips and the sage I was writing a lot of poetry at that time and I remember at the end of you know what would it have been March April May it was June by the time we left but you know a good three months in the field I remember just kind of reflecting on some of my memories, like, some of my earliest memories and two of, like, very early formative memories I have, one is writing nonsense, like, getting a piece of paper, I must have been, like, three or four years old, like, it was before I was in school, I couldn't write yet, but it was, like, very early to be trying to write but I got a piece of paper and I was sitting on my bed at night and I had the paper pressed up against the wall, like, the wall behind the headboard And I was pretending to write. I was just writing little squiggles and little circles on a piece of paper. And when I was done with this like gibberish piece of paper, I just held it up and I was so proud of it and so like enamored with I don't know the process. Like I just loved the idea of writing at such a young age, and I have, you know, no idea why. And another early formative memory I have is in my backyard. It was when I still lived in another town, like before I moved to the coast of B.C. Um, So I must have been around the same age. But I was in the backyard. We had um, the yard and then kind of like a very steep bank with a little trail that was too steep for me to go down at that age. But a steep trail that went down to the road below us. Um, I bet if I went back now, it wouldn't seem that steep or that long or that big. But at the time it was huge in the, the bank behind the backyard um kind of seemed like the wilderness as well but so right on the, the edge between the backyard and the trail going down this little bit of kind of bush there were these concrete like bench that was kind of overgrown with i don't know grass and it was probably cracked up and it looked like it hadn't been used in a long long time but right beside it there was bleeding heart, the flower. And I thought it was such a beautiful plant. Like I was just so entranced by this plant. I remember asking my mom, like, I think this is how the conversation went. Like, did you plant this? Like this is such a nice plant. Did you plant this flower? And mom am saying, no, I didn't plant this. And I thought, well, but how could there be such a nice, beautiful flower here if you didn't plant it? And she explained to me that it was a wildflower or that someone planted it a long time ago and that it was still growing there. But when she was explaining the concept of wildflowers to me, it was... I don't know why. I mean, you're young, you don't know much about the world yet, I guess. But she's explaining to me that, you know, flowers can just continue on in the world without you needing to take care of them or plant them or garden them. They, they are independent of people. They have their own way of being in the world. And that, I don't know, it just really blew my mind, first of all, like how beautiful it was. And then second of all, that it just existed in the world of its own will. Like no one was taking care of it. It was just there. And so immaculately taken care of it looked like to me, um, but no one was taking care of it. It was just there. And I think on a metaphorical level, it's pretty funny that it was a bleeding heart flower, um and that I already had this you know connection to writing um I kind of joked to myself that it was like the universe telling me to be like a bleeding heart poet but a little bit further than that I recognized at that time like I was really looking for my purpose I think just as I'm you know wandering these fields of sage and rose hips and underneath the night stars oh my gosh the stars in Wainwright were absolutely beautiful there's no there's no light pollution there so the stars were just so bright i got to know a lot of the constellations but oh and sleeping outside under the stars like we would just sleep in the field underneath the stars many many nights um and it's a really intimate way to be with the earth but at that time i was you know thinking about you know what is my purpose in this world like why where's my place here and When thinking and reflecting on those two memories, the the writing over top of my bed and meeting the wildflower, I knew that like my dharma, my purpose was words and wildflowers. Um, I didn't know much more than that. I didn't know what that would look like in the world, but I knew that my purpose in this life was words and wildflowers. And so that was like my first inkling that maybe herbalism might be something that you know, I would be into. I guess I didn't even, like, really consider what herbalism meant at that time, but when I was reflecting on words and wildflowers and what that meant to me, I think I really just thought that, you know, the plants were gonna influence my writing a lot, and, like, the way that I would just be with the plants. Yeah. Now that I think back on it, it's so funny because there's so many teachings that In herbalism, sitting with the plants is like the first step of working with any of the medicines is just being with the plants and listening to them. And I was already doing this without even knowing that that was a thing, I guess. Um, It's just so funny looking back because if you, I don't know, I I didn't realize it at the time and I didn't realize it even for the last few years now that I think about it. But I was already sitting with the plants even before I'd come to, you know, be exposed to any teachings from any herbalism teachers about sitting with plants but really i just thought you know what maybe i'm supposed to be hanging out with some plants writing some poetry that kind of interlinks the plants and my own experience of the world and that's what words and wildflowers means Um, but really i think even then i was sitting with the plants and hearing their wisdom and in a certain way translating it for the human language But that was like my first step into the herbal path. What would my next step be then after that? I think my next step was. It was around the same time as. You know what it was? Okay. Oh my gosh. The next step was um, doing a meditation retreat. So it was like a year and a half later. I'm pretty sure maybe it was the same maybe it was that August after that spring exercise in the field it might have been actually, I think it was so I spent three months in the field with the roses and, well, the rose hips because it was... uh, oh, maybe they were rose at that time maybe they weren't rose hips yet, it would have been in the fall after that the rose, rose hips came maybe it was just the sage first of all, maybe the sage was the first one who came to me and then the rose hips came the fall after that um, but definitely sitting a lot with the sage in that fall exercise when I was really reflecting on words and wildflowers and then I did a 10 day long silent meditation retreat um It was a vipassana meditation Which was the hardest thing i've ever done. It was harder than my military training for sure just so much discipline and being with yourself and sitting with yourself and focusing um and this was before that i learned that i had adhd and before i learned that i had like facet joint syndrome in my neck from um um, a a collision actually that happened at that spring exercise it was um a multi-casualty incident actually which i was a patient in and i was a responder for and i was so concerned about everybody else i didn't really worry about my own health until much later but so i'm at this meditation retreat i don't know i have adhd i don't know that i have facet joint syndrome or like you know chronic neck pain and it was such a tough time getting through that 10 day retreat but during one of the days i was like quite a few days in at this point so like you're really getting deep down into your subconscious and just like into your inner self because there's no other inputs you're not reading you're not speaking there's absolutely nothing else that's supposed to be entering your mind at that time it's really just going deep and examining what's already there and so on day i don't know four five six seven i don't know what day it was but i remember still pondering this question of like what is my purpose what am i here on this earth to do i feel like there's something more important for me to be doing and i don't feel like i'm there right now and i just looked out the window one of the days before a group meditation and there was some kind of weed, like some kind of grassy weed out the window nothing particularly fancy, there was no flowers on it, i really don't know what plant it was i really wish it i knew now, but I, I, i'm not sure what it was but looking at this kind of like milky oats looking plant maybe, or maybe i'm just putting that into the picture now that I'm reflecting back on it. But kind of like a wheat-looking plant maybe. And this like answer came to me in like my own voice, but also just like out of nowhere kind of like dropped into this empty pool this thought of plant medicine. Plant medicine is what you should be doing. And it was so confusing. I was like, "Um, excuse me, what are you um what are you talking about? I'm not really sure what that means." because I had been looking at ayahuasca previous to that and kind of considering maybe doing an ayahuasca retreat, but that was the only, I feel like the only exposure to plant medicine that I had. And then to look at an everyday normal weed and think, no, this plant medicine, like this is the kind of plant medicine that you should be working in. It was very confusing. It was completely confusing to me. And I just kind of brushed it off. I was like, okay, um, I'm not really sure where that came from, but I must have, you know, I kind of like not made it up, but it it wasn't meaningful anyways. Like it was just a random thought I had. It doesn't matter that I had a thought, not a meditation retreat. It's not that big of a deal. But in that moment, like it was just this very clear and strange thought that I'm not sure where it came from. But, you know, thinking about my purpose, and then I look out the window and this thought of, you know what, plant medicine, that's this kind of plant medicine, this is what you should be focusing on. And then I didn't think about it too much for a couple years, I think, maybe at least a year. But I did start listening to, no, okay, yes, okay. So, after the the meditation retreat, I think about a year later is when I had my deployment to Kuwait the first time in 2019, in December of 2019. And the coworker that I went over with, um, I believe she's Korean Metis, but she introduced me to smudging. And we both talked a lot about like manifesting and just spirit. Um It was a really wonderful relationship that we built over the time of our deployment. I'm not sure what came first or second, if it was a smudging or if it was learning about plant medicines um, through Jackie, Jackie Wilkins, or if it was me looking again into ayahuasca and ayahuasca, so I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but I was looking again into ayahuasca retreats and um, these, what were they called, plant fasting? Plant fasts when you eat very very plain foods and you consume um, you know just one plant to really get to know it deeply and then after you've gotten to know it then you you take the ayahuasca or maybe you don't even take the ayahuasca but this this plant fast um, was introduced to me through this you know research for ayahuasca About at the same time that I was learning about um, smudging and sweet grass and very soon after looking into the Ayahuasca retreats, I ended up finding Jackie Wilkins' page. She um, is a naturopathic doctor. Right now, she's um, living in Nanaimo. At the time when I stumbled onto her, she was living in Toronto or around Toronto, um, and she had and stu- she still has um, Halish medicines. And I stumbled onto her um, course. What was it called? Um, Working with Plant Medicines from the Heart, maybe it's called? Um, But I signed up for this course, I paid for, for this very short course, and I learned about, you know, sitting with the plants and asking their permission when you want to harvest them, and reflecting on access of indigenous peoples to the plants as well, if you're able to access them, then you should really be reflecting on if Indigenous peoples are also able to have that same level of access to the plants and the plant medicines. Um, And so she was probably my first formal teacher in that way in taking her online course. Um, And that was my next step into herbal medicine. And then when I came home, I started listening to a lot of podcasts about herbalism here and there for a while and then later on quite extensively i think when i first came home it was probably like another year before i made my desk i know it sounds funny to just like link these two things together you're probably not following the story at all at this jump because i'm trying to really figure what happened in between coming home from kuwait and what was my next step into herbalism i guess um there was just a lot of working on the self and spirit and kind of reflection in that time um but the time when i really started getting into herbalism in a deeper way was when i left um the relationship i was in at the time and i do talk about that in um episode four when i'm talking about hawthorne but i left That relationship and I started to um, listen to a lot more podcasts on herbalism and I love finding new hobbies and like really hyper focusing on them for a short time and at this time I decided that there was a very good chance I was going to move out to Nova Scotia and I was gonna go to carpentry school so I could learn how to build a cabin for myself and then I said to myself, okay, before you leave your job, I was really tired at this time too. I had done so many exercises in the field and then I had deployed to Kuwait um, at a time when COVID was just starting. Like I was in the desert um, supporting an international deployment when, when COVID came. And we were also supporting um, some of our, our engineers and our inventors coming back to Kuwait from Iraq after having rocket attacks and supporting them in their health and then also dealing with the uncertainty of dealing with COVID in the healthcare system when policies were changing every three minutes and really there was no policies we were on the front lines of um, like informing our boss what we thought should be done when it came to policies because me and um, the friend who taught me about sweetgrass and smudging we were we were the two on the ground in like the COVID isolation for people who were traveling into the country of keeping them isolated for two weeks and testing them every day and and you know anyone else who got sick also being the one to screen them first but I was very very tired when I came home from that tour and there was no break because we couldn't go usually you go home for you know I think it's like 10 days in the middle of a tour But we weren't able to do that because of the travel restrictions so we just worked six months straight with no break um it was it was tiring and so when i got home i was kind of like done with the military i was like i'm so tired like i cannot keep up with this pace like i am i'm done with this and so i was looking into leaving and going out to nova scotia and just building a cabin there and living a happy little life in my cabin um But as I was learning how to build it, oh no, not about how to build a cabin. So I decided that before I decided to commit to carpentry school, I should probably try doing some woodworking first to make sure I like it. That's kind of the way I go about life. Before I joined the military, I went to paramedic school first and became a paramedic. Even though the military would have paid for my schooling, if I joined them first, I wanted to make sure that I liked being a paramedic before I committed to six years of doing it which is what um, an entry contract is with them for, um, medical technicians. So I decided, okay, if I'm gonna leave and become a carpenter, I should probably try to do some woodworking first. So I watched a lot of YouTube, I'm pretty sure is what I did, um, googled some things, and I decided I was gonna test out my woodworking by building myself a big wraparound desk for my spare room. I was fortunate enough to have a two-bedroom house that I was renting in Edmonton, House prices are a lot cheaper there. Um, I was having a pretty good salary at the time, especially with tour pay and having paid off my student loans after coming back from my deployment. So I was fortunate enough to have a spare room and I built myself a big wrap around desk for my spare room. Um, It took me like two weeks to build, I think. and i listened to a lot of podcasts while i was building the desk um it's just nice to have while you're measuring while you're cutting while you're making holes for the the screws to go in together i was using like a what's it called a craig jig for like pocket hole like connections anyways um it took a lot of time and i had a lot of time to listen to podcasts while I was working, so I was listening to podcasts, and I started with very general self-help kind of themes, and then as the days went on, I realized that I was listening to more and more and more and more herbalism podcasts. And by the time I finished my desk, I realized I didn't want to go to the woods to build a cabin, I, Like I didn't want to become a carpenter. I just wanted to go be with the land. Like, I really wanted to be a herbalist. It wasn't that I wanted to be a carpenter, it's that I wanted an avenue to be a herbalist. Like, that's really what I wanted to do was herbalism. And then what happens next in the story? I'm gonna have to really think about that for a second. Next, I guess, I just experience the medicines. Like, I order some medicines from Halish Medicines from Jackie Wilkins, and I just experienced the power of their healing. That's that's the next part of the story and I really did experience a lot of healing from those medicines Um, Especially at the time, I mean I was going through a breakup. I got a lot of Medicines from the heart from her a lot of um, Flower essences, let me rewind for a second too. I got so ghost pipe is a plant that had been speaking to me for quite a while um, it just kept showing up for me in different ways especially when i was looking at land in british columbia before i um before i d- started looking in nova scotia i almost put a, um, an offer on a lot in british columbia and i was hiking um, around in the area close to that lot ghost pipe came up to me in the woods um i saw ghost pipe and i really felt like i like a welcome into herbalism too like it was telling me if you come here we'll be able to work together anyways though what i'm trying to say is i had been building a relationship with ghost pipe and then i got um before i left uh, my previous relationship i did get um ghost pipe flower essence from halish medicines and now i wonder i'm i'm wondering when I did start getting interested probably when I came home from, from tour, right? Okay. So I had learned about working with plant medicines in her workshop. I had gotten some of her flower essences when I came home and I was working with ghost pipe, which is a really strong energetic medicine for letting go. And I think, oh, and protection, I was using her protection essence, which is really strong for boundaries. And I think those two medicines are really what helped me shift into leaving that relationship to be perfectly honest. Um, those flower essences, which as I speak about a little bit in the Acrimony podcast is not even the physical constituents of the medicine, but the physical support, or sorry, the spiritual support of them. Um, But yeah, those were a really big part of me in shifting in my life at that point too. Where was I in the story? Oh yeah, so just um, using a lot of the heart medicines at that time, when I was building the desk as well, when I was listening to the podcast, just consuming um, more of the physical property medicines that Jackie was offering at that time was how I connected with the medicines. The next step in the journey. I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm trying to rush the story now because I feel like I've been talking for too long, but I hope that you're just, you're here for the ride with me. Um, so the next step in my herbalism journey after that would have been the June summer solstice after that winter that I built the desk and started listening to all the podcasts. Um, so for a few weeks, I'd say, um, I was living in Edmonton and I would walk around in the Edmonton River Valley and there's this one spot um like kind of downtown in the river valley but i used to like do this whole loop around um there's like emily murphy park and that like skating like what is it like victoria park maybe it's called um and then you like cross a bridge across the river at two different places but i would walk that loop quite a bit and run that loop sometimes and one day when i was walking that loop i noticed this little dainty blue flower that i'd never seen anywhere else it was at like the base of this fallen over like a rotten tree trunk like a really really big tree trunk and there was just this like littlest one there was actually a little bit of a patch but I didn't notice it at first but this one little flower hanging out there that I'd never seen anywhere else and it ended up being comfrey and I would just sit with that plant sometimes um and write in my journal and reflect on what came up for me when I would sit with comfrey And like there was a bit of pain in sitting with Comfrey. I was still trying to figure out like I wanted to be with the land, but I didn't know how to get there. And I remember explaining to Comfrey like I know that like I'm supposed to do this, but I'm really scared. Like I'm scared of, you know, not being able to pay the bills. I'm scared of going hungry. I'm scared that like life will be really difficult for me if I just give everything up to be with the land, especially in the wintertime. Like I already had my heart set at Nova Scotia at the time I was sitting with Comfrey and I thought, like, how am I gonna like make it through the winters if I don't have a steady income and I'm hanging out in the land in the time? Like I just don't know how to do it. And there was this like ache in my heart now that I think about it, like I think Comfrey was aching for me too. And it really like it really wanted to teach me about alignment. I felt at the time, like I felt that it was like trying to teach me about alignment and recognizing that those pains are in a way a lesson that something isn't quite aligned. Um, I'm just smiling as I think, but I'm looking at the Comfrey flower essence right now. I kinda wanna like bring it over here and see what they give me. Give me a second here. So I'm sitting with Comfrey quite often. And I decide that want to make a comfrey flower essence on the solstice the summer solstice and also that i'd like to make a rose petal tincture so those are my first two medicines that i made and that would have been not this summer probably last summer the summer of 2021 june 21st 2021 does that make sense i think that was the time yeah so that was the first time i ever made a medicine and it was a comfrey flower essence which i'm i'm holding like the mother essence in my hand right now in the in the jar i haven't like worked with it internally at all yet Hmm, interesting i haven't worked with it internally at all yet i think i mixed it with a little bit of glacier water from um What's it called? There's this is really beautiful glacier and Jasper, Edith Cavell, Edith Cavell Glacier. I mixed it with a little bit of Edith Cavell glacier water later on. Of the comfrey flower essence, sorry, and the rose tinctures. I made a few that were just pure rose tincture, and I have two different batches that I mixed more um, flower essences from Halish Medicines. So I like mix those into the rose tincture that I made. So I had, like, ultimately three different rose tincture medicines and one comfrey flower essence, but that was the first time I ever made a medicine. Um, and I've been working, I've, I still have quite a bit of that rose tincture, but I've been working with it here and there um, in varying amounts ever since then. And it's it's quite lovely. Um, and again, rose is, for me, like an ancestral medicine. Um my grandma used to have to like go out in the winter and pick rose hips for tea but my great-grandmother used to make rose hip tea quite often and I'm not really sure, I should really ask my grandma more about her her history in herbalism because um, sometimes I'll talk to my grandma about my interest, my growing interest in herbalism and um, she'll say, oh yes, your your grandma, or your great-grandmother, like my mother um, my grandmother's mother was the real herbalist of the family, like, she was a true herbalist, she says, but I really don't know those parts of her story. I really should should ask more about them. Maybe I'll write my grandma a letter. Um, we often write letters back and forth, and I'll ask her to share some of that with me. But um, my grandma says my gra- my great-grandmother, uh, this is, like, on my mother's side, so my maternal lineage is Russian, so that's kind of, like, the lineage that I identify most with I guess is um you know my maternal side so my mother's mother's mother being this herbalist and especially rose hips getting through the winters and I really imagine like those those deep Russian winters and like the nourishment of rose hips and what that gives to you but she used to roast them in the oven whole with the the oven cracked open I imagine that the oven cracked open was also to heat the home um, but that's the way that she works with rose hips, or worked with rose hips, and so rose hips continue to be a medicine that are really nourishing for me. And again, it was one of those medicines that came up for me very early on, I, right after I met Sage, um, seeing rose hips in in the in the field quite often and sitting with them quite often. And I missed a part of the story. So um, after coming home from Kuwait and after being so so tired. Um, I actually told, like, work I needed a break. I was burnt out. I couldn't keep up at this pace anymore. Um, And there were some people within the organization that supported that and some that didn't. But thankfully, like, my sergeant was quite supportive of it. And after I took the break that I needed for Christmas time, I went home. I saw my family. It was really nourishing for me. Um, I had left my relationship at that point. Um, So that was, like, one more stressor also that was off my back. And so... I told work, like, I need a break, I need to go home, I need to see my family, and then when I came home, I said, okay, I'm ready to work again, so I went on the next domestic deployment, which was, um, Garden Hill First Nation had asked for support from the military for a COVID outbreak, so, um, we went up there and we helped support them with the ways that they requested of us, um, but I got the chance to speak to some of the people of garden hill first nation and it kind of like reawoke in me like a curiosity be a curiosity about a different way of life i remember we were doing contact tracing and um the wife of the fellow i was trying to get a hold of to ask how he was doing if he was feeling any better after his covid symptoms had started um, because we also would just check in on them the people who were sick and make sure they were still doing all right and identifying anyone with like high risk medical conditions so that we could move them to winnipeg before they got sick because it was really difficult to move anyone um if they were like very very acutely ill it was very difficult to get them flown out of garden hill in time to get to a hospital in time so we tried to identify people ahead of time who were high risk and um they had funding to stay in winnipeg for a while and their family could come with them to stay in winnipeg for a while until they got better and to come home again but i was trying to get a hold of this gentleman um to see how his covid symptoms are doing um and his wife had told me that while he was sick he had gone out into the bush to do some trapping um maybe trapping wasn't the word that they i think she said trap line maybe she didn't i'm not sure i don't wanna i don't wanna misrepresent what he was doing but she said oh he's out in the bush hunting I think maybe um and I I was just so curious that I really wanted to ask more um about what that looked like and instead I just kind of smiled and said oh like I hope that's like supportive for his health too um that sounds great um he's isolated out there he won't be um won't be getting anyone else sick so so you know maybe that is the best thing for him right now but I really was curious, about, like I want to know more about that way of life. And then we were doing um, door-to-door visits on our skidoos. Um that's what they're called, right? Like a snowmobile. I don't, I don't have one. I don't really know what the lingo is. But we were um, going door to door in very, very cold weather. Eyelashes frozen, like the gator on the neck gator, like your breath just like completely had frozen the. Um, the scarf around your neck, so cold. Um, put so many layers on though, like I, I fortunately stayed very warm. We had heating at night, which is sometimes a luxury in the military. So I was quite happy. And um, seeing rose hips though, up in the middle of February, up in Northern Manitoba, again, having rose hips come to greet me in that place. And I actually, at one point ended up picking some off the bush, and making rosehip tea that night, and it was so supportive for me, again, like, I was still fresh out of a breakup, I was so tired from working so hard, but it was just so nourishing to... first of all, like, just to be in that community and do what I could, it felt like very little that I could do, but just to be in that community, and then to have the rosehip medicine, support me it was a it was a really good experience in that moment um, but I was talking about comfrey and rose tincture right so I guess the first medicine I made for myself is really rose hip tea now that I think about it but um, um, now that I think of all the other teas that I've also made though so I'm sure like caramel came before that and many other medicines came before that but um, making the rose petal tincture on the solstice and the comfrey flower essence. Um, what came after that I guess? I can't really think of too much for a full year, except that when I came back from the flights into Afghanistan to take people to Afghanistan, that was quite a heavy deployment for me. Um, maybe those are stories for another time I did have questions about it recently um, at a school event and there's some of those stories that I haven't shared with many people and you know but they asked me outright about my experience and so I shared that with them and it, it was a little bit surreal, surreal afterwards to realize that first of all I could talk about it very openly and from a place of calm um, and secondly just that I don't know I would shared it with someone that had grown my circle to now four or five, like not many people know that, but um, it was a very difficult deployment in many ways. And when I came home, I mean, every deployment is also difficult in its own way, I think. And for me coming back from my deployment in Kuwait and working with you know people getting rocketed in Iraq as well and working with COVID, that was also difficult um, for me to come home from and to be in isolation from COVID for two weeks as soon as I got home, like it was difficult as well. And so coming home from um, my second deployment, coming home from bringing people out of Afghanistan, I had plants in my garden, I had this tiny, tiny little patch of garden in the front that I had grown, Um, roses, calendula, lavender, I must have had some lemon balm because I remember putting lemon balm in there too, maybe my lemon balm was inside though but I had like a handful of plants in my tiny little garden that I had been sitting with for a while and working with for a little while. Um, And so when I got home, one of the first things I did was make myself a tea with the plants from my garden. And I found that to be so supportive and so helpful in integrating my experiences. And that one was actually a smoother, I would say, integration um in some ways than uh, my previous one but um yeah between making the medicines and now i'd say that that was another kind of milestone on my herbalism journey was really using those medicines to help me integrate as i came home from kind of some emotional stressors and physical in terms of just sleep i guess but mostly emotional stressors and then after that Really, the next big milestone was um, really recently I decided to take an exploratory herbal mentorship with Jackie Wilkins. I've talked a lot about Jackie Wilkins. I guess she has been quite formative in my experience with herbal medicines. um, Especially because that very first course I took with her really resonated with me so much. And the medicines that I received from her had really such a strength in their healing as well but that was the next step in my herbal journey and i'll do a whole different um podcast on that one i think um and kind of where i've come from there because i think that can have its own full podcast and we've been talking for a while now too um but that's kind of the path between where i started and where i found myself most recently um i hope you've enjoyed these stories and Again, if you have any questions, any comments, um, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I don't know anything about, like, the voice memos, to be perfectly honest, that you can send me on, um, Spotify or maybe, like, on Anchor if you're listening, or probably listening on Spotify right now, although that's when I'm recording it. Maybe by the time you hear this, it'll be quite later on in my podcast journey. That's probably the more likely scenario, but, um contact me any way I have out there in the world available right now, but right now, um, an easy way to contact me is winter.wisdom.apothecary at gmail.com or finding me on Instagram at at winter.wisdom.apothecary, um, and just sending me a message and telling me what you thought of this podcast, if anything's came up for you, if you have any reflections, um, I'd love to hear from you and love to hear how you're interacting with this podcast and just hearing if any of my words are actually, I don't know, resonating with anyone, inspiring anyone, stoking some thoughts from anyone. It'd be great to hear from you. All right, until next time. Thank you. Bye.